It is uh, not a Christmas text this morning that we're looking at. We're going to continue in our series in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be looking at this passage that deals with the Lord's Prayer this morning. I'd like to read it for us as we begin. Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. Jesus said, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with the trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your word and for the privilege we have to hear these words of Jesus. They were recorded to teach us as well as those who heard them the very first time. And so, Father, I pray that we would take to heart this message this morning, that all that we do might be done not for man's applause, but for your honor and glory. Amen. When Teddy Roosevelt was a young boy, his mother tells a story that Teddy went through a stage where he was afraid of going to church. And she was a little bit puzzled by that. You know, He was just uh, afraid of stepping inside the doors of the church that they attended near Madison Square Garden. And when she asked him why he was so afraid, he said it was because he was afraid that zeal was going to get him. Zeal, she said, you know, well, well, what do you think zeal is? And he said, oh, it must be some kind of large, terrifying animal like a lion or a tiger or alligator or something like that. And why do you think that? Well, because zeal's going to step out and it's going to eat me up. And she said, where, where did you learn that? Or where did you hear that? And she said, oh, the pastor told us that. And so now she was really puzzled. 
And she took her concordance to her Bible and she began to read through every passage in Scripture that talks about zeal until she came to John 2.17. His disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. (laughs) And his mother went on to explain to him what zeal really is. Well, you know, there is something that we should be afraid of when we come to church, but it's not being zealous for God or fervent in our devotion to Him. Jesus addresses something this morning that we should be afraid of, and that is the danger of being phony in our relationship with God. It's the danger of religious hypocrisy. In Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 18, Jesus takes three of the chief acts of Jewish piety, and he offers this warning. He says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's a very sobering statement. Jesus is saying, Be careful not to do good deeds, not to do good things, so that others might see them, or you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. It is possible for someone to give away everything that they have and have no reward from God. It's possible for someone to dedicate their life to the Lord and serve in ministry or to become a missionary and have no reward from God. It's possible to spend all your life, say, even working at a leper colony with some of the least of these in our world. And yet, if it's done for the wrong reason, there will be no reward in heaven. It's possible to be a lay person who comes to church every Sunday and who does all the right things, if you will, but if done for the wrong reason, there will be no reward from our Father in heaven. Why do we do what we do? Is it for the applause of men, or is it for the glory of God? That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. And he, he brings out three examples or illustrations for us to think about. Number one, giving to the needy. That's a very good thing that we should do. Uh, Jesus says, when you give, He expects us to do that. He expects us to give to those who are in need in our world. There's nothing wrong at all with that. But what he tells us here is that we are to give without calling attention to ourselves. So he says, Do not announce it as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. And we don't actually know what their custom was here. It's a little puzzling, this whole idea of uh, having trumpet sound when you give or bring your offering or whatever they were doing here. It may be that Jesus is using this as a figure of speech just like we do. When we say, you know, don't blow your own horn. You know, when you do something good, you don't need to tell everybody about it and call attention to yourself or make a show of it. Just do it. And do it in honor of God or in recognition of what He has done for you. Because Jesus says, if you seek men's applause, you will have it. But no more. But no more. 
It was a year ago on this Sunday that we had Charlie Schaller here for the Bema. Do you remember that last year? Uh, those who were here, uh, Bema was a dramatic production by uh, Charlie Schaller who talked about this individual. He played the part of a man, Daniel Matthewson, who has this dream where he is standing before the Lord, before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. And his life is being reviewed by Jesus. It was a picture of what will happen on that day when all of us stand before the Lord to give an account for our life. And so here is one of the examples, he said, where Jesus was talking to Daniel. He said, Daniel, do you remember that Sunday you were in church and, and you wrote out that check? You know, and Daniel was always concerned about what other people thought about him and about impressions and looking good and attention. And he said, do you remember that Sunday when you wrote out that check and then you placed it in the offering face up so that everybody would see what you did that day? You know, and as that went down the road, do you remember when Mrs. So-and-so, you know, kind of looked at the check and then looked at you and, and you know, just kind of acknowledged that? And Jesus said, that was your reward. I hope you enjoyed it. You know, there will be rewards for good deeds uh, in terms of what we have done, but the question is, do you want your reward from men or from God? Do you want your recognition and affirmation to come from others around you so that they may think you are a good person? Or do you want it to come from your Father who is unseen? And your Father who is unseen sees all that you do in secret and he will reward you. Jesus says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Again, it's a figure of speech. We can't actually do that, you know, as people. It's a figure of speech, though, that says that, you know, when you're giving, when you write out that check, nobody needs to know what you are giving. And just put that quietly in the offering without calling attention to yourself. Or, you know, when you go by that Salvation Army bucket and nobody's there, it's okay to give then too. You know, you don't, don't just need to give when somebody's standing there ringing a bell as though, you know, there's a little bit of guilt and you don't want to walk by without seeing them. God sees. And that should be enough. And so in all of our acts of giving, you know, when I think back on how God has generously provided for us as a church, I have appreciated the sacrifices that you have made without calling attention to yourself. There have been many gifts, large and small, that have allowed us to minister as we have in this community and have grown. And I think one of the most powerful witnesses is when a gift is given without calling attention to yourself, but simply saying, thank you, Lord, and allowing Him to use those gifts to be a blessing to others. Now, how does all of this fit, though, with Matthew 5.16? A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at that passage. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus says this. Uh, he talks about how we are the light of the world, and he said, In that same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know, here's one passage where Jesus is saying, I want you to do these things in secret, and another one where he's saying, I want you to do them before men so that they might see your good deeds. There's a place for both. There's no contradiction here. It is all about who gets the glory. 
And Jesus is saying in Matthew 5.16 that there are some things that we should do that should be visible to others. Some people should see the change that has been made in our life, but do it in a way that calls glory and gives the glory and honor to the Father. When we partnered with Feed My Starving Children, we wanted to do that as a community event that would involve all of the churches in the community and a chance to invite others to come from different groups in our community to participate, and that was really wonderful. And one of our desires in that, one of our prayers, is that people would see the church making a difference in our world so that God might be glorified. You know, Because sometimes in our world there are people who doubt that the church makes any difference at all. And they wonder, does the church do anything that benefits others, or is all their activity simply to benefit themselves? And they forget the role of the church historically and what the church has done in terms of education or starting hospitals and orphanages and abolishing slavery and reforming prisons and reforming labor laws that it was the church historically that was involved in all of those different areas. God uses His people to make a difference in our world. And when we do it in a way that doesn't call attention to ourselves, but gives Him the glory, He is honored and He is pleased. Jesus also addresses the area of prayer. Now, Prayer is a very good thing. You would think there would be no, you know, kind of landmines to step on in terms of prayer, that we could do that in a way that honors the Lord. But Jesus talks here about how prayer is not a performance. And he identifies two ways of praying that will have no reward in heaven. The first is pretentious prayer that we see in verses 5 and 6. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. You know, he's saying we shouldn't pray again in a way that calls attention to ourselves or we pray where we sound really spiritual and standing in front of people to do this. Instead, go into your room, close the door, Pray to your Father who is in secret. And our Father who is unseen again sees all that you do and He will reward you. Jesus isn't saying that all public prayer is wrong. We pray in our worship service. As a pastor, I lead you in prayer. But as an example here, you know, if my focus in that time of prayer is simply, you know, I want to impress you, I want you to think that I'm really spiritual, and so I use language that sounds like, you know, I I want to uh, make an impression, there's no reward in that. Those kinds of prayers are not heard. That wouldn't benefit anyone. But if when we pray together in a corporate way and we lead and it's from our heart and it's like we're having a conversation with God, we are just talking to God and others are listening in and in your listening in you can say, Amen. I agree with that. That's right. That's what we want. That's our desire too. Then those corporate prayers have power before God. There's a place for public prayer. But not to be a show not to be pretentious, but again to give honor and glory to God. He also talks about how meaningless repetition 
is something to avoid. Don't babble on like the Gentiles. Now here he talks about a practice in prayer that was going on then and still happens today. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans who think they will be heard because of their many words. And there are some who use chants or repetition like that or go through all kinds of actions. You know, we read in the Old Testament about the prophets of Baal who called out to Baal all day long, you know, and going through all of that religious motion. But their prayers were not heard. We are not heard because of how many words we use or how eloquent we are. It is our heart that matters most to God. And here he tells us, you know, that God knows what we need before we even ask Him. And some of you have wrestled with that question before. You know, if God knows everything before we even ask Him, why do we pray? I mean, why should we bother to pray? And yet, here is Jesus directing us to pray. There's a reason for that. Prayer is about more than just simply getting an answer to prayer. Prayer also shapes us. When we pray, when we spend time in God's presence, He changes our heart. He changes our attitude. He draws us close into a relationship with Him and we grow through prayer. And as our Heavenly Father, He delights in His children coming to Him just like we as a parent delight when our kids come to us. And they want to talk. And they want to spend time with us. And they bring their requests and say whatever is on their heart. Jesus wants us to come before our Father. But don't be worried about whether you feel like you can say things well or not. Just pray. Just share what's on your heart. Just be honest with God. Be real and genuine with Him. God delights in that kind of prayer. Jesus goes on to give us a model prayer to teach us how to pray. This isn't the only way to pray. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is not the only thing we should pray. It is an example for us of the kinds of things that we should even be praying about. And also of how we should approach God. The Lord's Prayer begins with the words, Our Father. Our Father. It's corporate. It's not my Father, it is our Father. And there's a place again, He's teaching the disciples, where we come together and we pray to our Father corporately. And the word for Father is the word Abba, which meant Daddy. That's amazing. You know, we know of no one before Jesus who ever taught someone to pray calling God Daddy. And here we have our Heavenly Father who's the creator of the universe who is more awesome in His glory and power than anything that we can imagine. And yet we can come before Him as His children and call Him Daddy. Jesus taught us to pray like children. How do children pray? They say whatever is on their heart. They bring their needs. They aren't pretentious. They aren't phony. They just come and they talk with their Father. And we are to approach God in that same way, humbly and reverently. 
And he tells us that there are three petitions here that we are to pray for that relate to God. We are to pray for God's name, which means God's name stands for His reputation, His honor, His glory. We are to pray for His reputation in our world, that God would be glorified, starting in us, in our life, that God would be glorified in our church, in our family, in all that we do, in our world. We are to pray for God's kingdom to come. We long for it and we cry out for His justice and His righteousness in our world. We pray for the advancement of the kingdom, for the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and the way of salvation to spread to all people so that all might have the opportunity to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And related to that, we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God's will to be done in our life, that we would be obedient to the things that He asks us to do. You know, when we pray that way, again, it shapes us and it changes our prayer. Prayer isn't about me, me, me. It's not about my needs only and what I want. There's a place to pray and bring to Him our needs. But Jesus teaches us to begin by praying those big prayers that relate to God and His kingdom and His purposes in our world. There are three petitions for personal needs. We are to pray for our daily needs, our daily bread. And it's not just limited to bread, but whatever you need for this day. God cares about your sustenance, your provision. But pray for today. And don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. Trust God for today, just like a child trusts his father for his daily needs. We are to forgive one another our debts. We ask the Lord to forgive us our debts, the sins that we have committed, just as we have forgiven our debtors, those who have offended or sinned against us. And the two are related. We are to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. Totally, completely. Forgiveness is costly. It costs Jesus His life to pay the penalty for our sins. And there are times when someone may have hurt you deeply and to forgive them feels like this hurts. This hurts. I mean, the other person maybe hasn't acknowledged it fully or maybe they haven't done what you thought they should do. And yet Jesus says, let go of that. Let go of the hurt and forgive them. And we are to pray about the spiritual battles that we face each day and to pray for spiritual victory. We are in a battle. We have an adversary that wants to see us stumble and fall. And so we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Don't allow us, Lord, to go into those places where we struggle so much with sin. We have a part in that too, though. To not put ourselves in that place where we are sorely tempted. And we pray, God, would you deliver us from the evil one, from Satan's snares and from his traps. And Lord, help me. Help me to walk with you each day in the power of your Holy Spirit. Those are real needs. And those are the kinds of things that we should be praying for ourselves for our friends, for our children, for our spouse, for uh, those that we know. We are to pray good things, good things. And we do that in secret for one another 
A couple of years ago, we had a sketch that my wife did here that was on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, interestingly, it showed up in my email box this week too from someone else who sent it to me. And I think it's a very timely thing to share once again. It's about a woman who is praying the Lord's Prayer. And God actually interrupted her prayers and spoke to her as she was praying it. Maybe you can relate to this. She begins by praying, Our Father who art in heaven. Yes? Don't interrupt me, please. I'm, I'm praying. But you called me. Called you? I didn't call you. I'm praying. Our Father who art in heaven. Well, there, you did it again. Did what? Called me. You said, Our Father who art in heaven. Well, here I am. What's on your mind? Oh, but I didn't mean anything by it. I was, you know, just saying my prayers for the day. I always say the Lord's Prayer. It makes me feel good. It's kind of like fulfilling a duty. Well, all right. Go on. Okay. Hallowed be thy name. Hold it right there. What do you mean by that? By what? By hallowed be thy name. Well, it means... It means... I mean... I don't know what it means. How in the world should I know? It's just part of the prayer. By the way, what does it mean? It means honored or holy or wonderful. Well, hey, that makes sense. I never thought about what hallowed meant before. Well, thanks. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that? Well, sure, why not? Well, what are you doing about it? Well, doing uh, nothing, I guess. I just think it would be kind of neat if you got control of everything down here like you have up there. I mean, we're in kind of a mess down here, you know. Well, yes, I know. But have I got control of you? Well, I go to church. Well, that isn't what I asked. What about your bad temper? You've really got a problem there, you know. And then there's that way that you spend your money all on yourself. And what about the kinds of books you read? Now hold on just a minute. Stop picking on me. I'm just as good as some of the rest of those people. Excuse me. I thought you were praying for my will to be done. If that's to happen, it will have to start with the ones who are praying for it. Like you, for example. Oh, all right. I guess I do have some hang-ups now that you mention it. I could probably name some others. So could I. I haven't thought about it very much until now, but I really would like to cut out some of those things. I would like, you know, to be really free. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. We'll work together, you and me. I'm proud of you. Now look, Lord, if you don't mind here, I need to finish up. This is taking a lot longer than it usually does. Give us this day our daily bread. You need to cut out the bread. You're a little overweight as it is. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. What is this? Here I was doing my religious duty and all of a sudden you break in and remind me of all my hang-ups? Praying is a dangerous thing. You just might get what you asked for. Remember, you called me and here I am. It's too late to stop now, so keep praying. I'm scared to. Scared of what? I know what you're going to say. Well, try me. 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What about Anne? I knew it. I knew it. I knew you'd bring her up. Lord, she's told lies about me. She has spread stories. She never paid back the money she owes me. I've sworn to get even with her. But your prayer. What about your prayer? I didn't mean it. (laughs) Well, at least you're honest. But it's quite a load carrying all that around, isn't it? All that bitterness and resentment. Yes, but I'll feel better as soon as I get even with her. Boy, have I got some plans for her. No, you won't feel any better. You'll feel worse. Revenge isn't sweet. You know how unhappy you are. Well, I can change that. You can? How? Forgive Anne. And then I'll forgive you. And the hate and the sin will be Anne's problem, not yours. You will have settled the problem as far as you are concerned. Okay, you know you're right. You always are. And more than that, more than I want revenge, I want to be right with you. I will forgive her. There now. Wonderful. How do you feel? Well, not bad. Not bad at all. In fact, I feel pretty great. You know, I don't think I'll go to bed uptight tonight. I haven't been getting much rest, you know. Yeah, I know. But you're not through with your prayer, are you? Go on. All right, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good, good. I'll do that. Just don't put yourself in a place where you can be tempted. What do you mean by that? You know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Okay, go ahead, finish your prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know what would really bring me glory? What would really make me happy? No, but I'd like to know. I want to please you now. I've really made a mess of things. I want to truly follow you. I can see now how great that would be. So tell me, how do I make you happy? You just did. You know, it's a powerful reminder of how important it is when we pray to be honest with God and to mean what we say. And in particular, in that area of forgiveness, Jesus comes back to it once again in verses 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Isn't that something? That's Jesus saying that. That's not me saying that. I'm just reading what he says that if we will not forgive our spouse, if we will not forgive our co-worker, our parents, whoever it may be that has hurt us, your Father in Heaven will not forgive your sins. Last night, if you were here for the Sarah Renner concert, she sang a beautiful song about forgiveness. And um, she... uh, liked it so much and it was a good theme that she actually had some t-shirts made and the t-shirts on the one side said forgive and on the back it said if you want to live (laughs) forgive if you want to live 
she uh, humorously suggested that she was offering a twofer on that. You get two for the price of one. She thought it would be good for couples to have those, you know. And once in a while when you need to wear that, you know, forgive if you want to live and do that. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Forgive if you want to be forgiven. And the third area Jesus addresses here is the area of fasting. This is the third pillar of Jewish piety. And again, Jesus expects us to fast. I mean, here he begins by saying, when you fast, he expects that. That we would do that just as we pray, just as we give, just as we are involved in other things that are called spiritual disciplines. They are all tools that are given to us by God to help us grow closer to Him. And so there is a time in our life when we should fast. Where we come before God and we show our earnestness and our desire to draw near to Him. He just says, when you do it though, don't look somber. Don't disfigure your face. Don't, you know, make a big show of it again and let everybody know that you're fasting so they can see what a spiritual person you are. Just fast. And go about your daily routine. And no one needs to know except, you know, your family's going to know if you're not there at mealtime eating or things like that. That's okay. Just don't make a big deal about fasting. There are different types of fasts that people can do. A normal fast is where you go without food for a period of time and you drink water or juice only. There are partial fasts where you may cut out meat out of your diet for a time or other things and you just eat uh, vegetables or fruit or things like that. There are total fasts that people have gone on for a very limited time where they go without food and water both. But those are very serious and you need to be cautious in how you approach that. The bigger question of what Jesus is concerned about though is our motivation. He wants to know our heart. Why do we fast if we do? Do we fast just simply to look good spiritually? Do we fast because we think, well, maybe this is a way that will help me lose a little weight and I can kind of multitask at the same time? You know, that, that's not a good idea. That's not the reason to do this. Do we fast because we are grateful for what God's done? Or do we fast because we are seeking His will? Or do we fast for a spiritual breakthrough in situations that we are up against? Why do we fast? God knows our heart. And is our fast just simply for show? Or is it so that we might draw near to God? We do not fast for the applause of men, but to hear God speak. You know what Jesus said about these three areas of the spiritual life can be applied to many other areas as well. For example, why do we want to be a part of the worship team if we are? Is it because we want others to see us and to kind of showcase our talents? Or do we sing and worship because we want to use our gifts to glorify God? When we study the Scriptures, if you're a student of the Word who loves Bible study and you want to share that, do you share those things so people will be impressed with you and think, wow, you know, he or she really knows a lot or they really study hard? Or do we share those things from Scripture because, you know what? God is just so awesome. 
He is so awesome and His Word is so amazing. And when you see the connections, it's just like it comes out because you're excited about that. I love that enthusiasm in those that are studying the Word or new believers that are learning and growing in their faith and just so excited about it. When we serve in ministry, when we share our faith and have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, when we help others, whatever it may be, with needs that they have, when we come alongside to comfort others, why do we do that? Do we do that so others will think well of us? Or do we simply smile and we say, Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of sharing. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have given me in my life. How could I not do these things when you have given everything for me? You know, God can do some pretty amazing things through the lives of people and individuals and churches who aren't concerned about getting the credit themselves, but to say, All for you, Lord, all for you. What matters most to us? Whose applause do we seek? Are we seeking the applause of men or the applause of heaven? You know, the greatest joy and reward in the end will be to hear the Father say, Well done. Well done. Let's pray. Father, there are some passages of Scripture that are just so clear that they hardly need any explanation at all. And this is one of them. And I pray, Father, that you would help us all to live this way humbly, as your servants, seeking to use our gifts in ways that honor and glorify you. And Father, you know that there are times when our motives may be mixed. When you purify our hearts and cleanse us, and when we recognize those things in us that are not right, that we would just admit it and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Thank you for the blessings in our life and most of all for the gift of your Son. Help us to do all we do for your honor and glory. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close today?
now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.